who gets the care and who doesn't get the care. And that's why keeping this thing at bay so that the hospitals don't get overwhelmed so they can treat as many people as possible, that, that's why we're doing this. Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I want to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is, you're the chef of your life. And for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week, we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me and let's squeeze the joy out of this life because you only get one. Can I get a fork? Yeah. Imagine this scenario. You've overcome the health battle of your life. You're working with famous people in the recording world. You have an amazing family, wife, kids, living your life to the fullest, riding along in the San Diego ocean breeze. And then the next day, you're in the hospital for 35 days with a 10% chance of survival. That's what happened to Neil Schroeder, a professional artist manager with over 20 years of experience in the music industry with well-known record labels. Nine years ago, Niels formed his own company in pursuit of a more balanced life. And after overcoming cancer in his early 20s, he experienced a freak health issue that put him into an induced coma for two and a half weeks. Niels offers a refreshing perspective on how he finds balance and a healthy outlook despite his circumstances, and particularly in these times of COVID-19. This is an episode you're not going to want to miss. So let's listen to my friend and inspiration, Neil Schroeder. Niels, it's so nice to have you on. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we met almost a decade ago, which yep. I just, it floors me that time really does fly. Um, and at that time, you were making a big transition into your own thing. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I had been, I'm in the music business, right? So I had been with a company for about two, 21 years, I think. Yeah, it was, it was going on 21 years. And it just, for me, got, I don't know. You know, I reached that point in my life where I was just like, is this all it's going to be? You know, I'm working for mm -hmm. a company. It was a cool company. It, was, it wasn't that big. It was, I think it was like six or seven people at the time. Uh, management company that, was, that also had an independent label side, independent music publishing. On paper, it was the perfect job, but I just felt like, wow, is this it? You know, has this, you know, this thing that I started working in my 20s, um, is, is this all I'm going to do? And I had reached a point where I thought, you know what, I got to try something else because if I don't, I'm going to be, I, I know I'll just, I'll regret it if I don't go and try to do something on my own. What were you doing in that role exactly? Um, I was the general manager of a, of, of a, basically a record company that also had uh, artist management divisions and artist management division and a publishing division and also uh, lifestyle marketing. We had, uh, among others, we had Pepsi as a client. 
in mm-hmm. uh, in lifestyle marketing. I mean, all six of us. <laughs> I, mean, we so were, we, I mean, we're talking big clients. Yeah. yeah. High profile. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Was that, that must have been stressful. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, when you're in artist management, there's, you're just, you're always on. And it's not so much that it was stressful that we had, you know, angry or difficult clients because we didn't, but it's just, you're always on. And Mm -hmm. if there's ever a problem, you get the call and I would get problems at, you know, I would get calls at two in the morning on December 23rd. You know, it just, it it was, that was just part of the, uh, you know, it was, it was part of the gig. Do you think part uh, of what happened when you kind of woke up and I, I can so relate to that because I had the same experience. I was kind of in a career job for a long time and then just sort of was like, is this all it's going to be? You know, that was it for me to do my own thing. That was it. That was it. It was like, it must've been a buildup though. Right. It was. And I think a lot of it had to do with lifestyle. Hmm. Um, you know, when you own a, when you, when you're your own boss, you do get to call your own shots. And as great as it was, there wasn't a lot of flexibility. You know, there was no, there was no working from home. It was all had to be in the office. Um, it was, I don't know, how do I put it? It just felt very constraining. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to, you, you had to be a certain way. There were only, there were limitations on what you could do. Uh, you were expected to be in the office from say nine thirty to six thirty or seven every day, and not that that's bad, but I really wanted to be. I think the the real thing was I really wanted to be involved with my kids' lives, hmm. and yeah, that you was the number, family, and, and that was the number one driver. And what I saw with the guy who owned the company, and he had every right to do it. He was at everything. You know, he was at every baseball practice, every game, every everything, right? Um, And I wanted that. And I thought, you know what? The only way I can really have that is to do my own thing. Because, you know, hey, he's the one taking the risk. He's the one who, you know, maybe had to mortgage his home to to meet payroll for a while, you know? So I wanted that. And so in order to have it, you had to you had to take the leap and you had to do your own thing and you had to be in a position to really make your own hours and i got to tell you it's been that's been the most amazing thing it's that freedom to be able to do things with the family like i've been coaching baseball now for 7 years my son's uh, 10 years old he started playing when he was 4 and i've been i've been coaching his teams for 7 years and you know super involved in the league I'm on the board my wife is on the board um, my wife runs the snack bar there you know it's just our daughter works in the snack bar and it's just been this really amazing uh, community experience that with my old situation i would definitely not have been able to have it not would not have been able to have and participate in so you transitioned into your own forming your own company still in the music industry and you created blue elan records Can well you- i didn't create i didn't create it um it was started um by a guy named kirk passage he oh, okay. he, he started he started the company um he and his son connor had started the company and they were signing acts, but they didn't have any infrastructure together to promote the acts. And so um, through a mutual friend who happened to be a producer on three of their projects, 
um, I was brought in to bring sort of bring sense to the whole organization, you know, create the infrastructure, um, get distribution, hire publicity, hire other, you know, radio promotion, uh, drive all other marketing. Um, and that's been, that's been something I've been doing for five years. So it started out as just this idea um, from a guy who was outside of the music business. He's, uh, he works in insurance law and has done incredibly well. Um, and then he, you know, he's passionate about music, started this company, brought me on to be the general manager. And I, uh, you know, uh, you know, we grew it. I, I brought in about seven acts to the label that I signed. And, uh, now I think we're at like 25 acts, 12 employees, uh, five years in it's, um, yeah, things are really, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's been fun to watch grow. What kind of music acts do you work with? I'm just curious. Uh, it's all over the place. I mean, I've got, I've, I've sort of grown into working a lot with, with music I like, which is what's, you know, under the very broad term of Americana. Mm. So that's, that's, it's, it's sort of like it's country, but not, you know, it's, it's got, it's got roots and country elements, but um, I don't know, it's just good music for older people. I have to, I have to, I'm sorry, but it's, it's what they, yeah, it's, it's, uh, to, like something that you can groove to from sixties. Well, what they call it, they sort of call it like the punk rock retirement plan. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a lot because it comes from a lot of the artists are, are sort of from that whole punk rock ethos and, you know, they, they, they're tired of just, you know, screaming and banging their heads. They just kind of got into this groove. It's still, um, it's cool though. It's cool. I love it. I mean, I, music is the soundtrack of our lives and I always, you know, music is, has played and does play such an important role in my life. Um, I have to share that. Um, I don't know if you know this, but we created a rap video called oh, cool. the cleaner rap and uh, I wrote and produced a, a rap song for Eat Cleaner with a good friend of mine. And we created a whole video and everything. And I have to say, like, it was really one of the most exhilarating things I've ever done. Like, I'm not going to quit my day job, but it was so much fun to create music. And I can only imagine that being around other creative people and being around, like, that energy must be just indescribably exciting when it's going well there's nothing else like it you know when you know you're onto something when you've got something that's coming together um i worked with brian setzer for a long time oh, and uh, yeah and it, it, he's just so great in fact he just he called me over the weekend it was so great to hear his voice um and he was one of our primary clients back uh in my old job and when he was, you knew, like when, when you were in the middle of a hit happening, there was, there was really nothing like it. It was the, it was the, it was the best high of all time. There's, there's nothing that compares to that. And when you are able to be a part of somebody's journey, do you feel that level of excitement for them as much as you would feel for your own, like if it was you on that label, I can only imagine like just seeing what you've done to help them get there. You may yeah. not be along yeah. but you're getting them there. Yeah, you're definitely involved. And I remember, you know, the, 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 the greatest feeling that you get um, is standing off on the, the, by the side of the stage, looking out at a huge sold out room watching the band play 
and, and just looking at the faces of the people in the audience. Mm-hmm. That is the, that is the greatest reward. Uh, there, there's just, there's nothing like it. And the way, the way, reason I think we even have it better, those of us who are on the business side, sort of behind everything, is we don't get recognized in airports. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we kind of get that feeling, that vibe. We still get a lot of that, that buzz. Um, and we don't have to put up with the, uh, with the hassles and the nonsense that goes along with it. When you're I on can stage. only imagine. I've often said I want to be successful, but I don't want to be famous. No, fame is, way, fame is very overrated. Yeah, that'd be tough to not be able to go to the grocery store. Although yeah. we're wearing masks now. So, so yeah. <laughs> anyway. Totally. So with, with you being able to start your own company and work on the gigs that you wanted to work on, how did your lifestyle change? I know you said you have time, you know, and had time to really be involved with your kids and, and your wife and baseball. What other changes happened? Well, I mean, there's a certain level of stress that comes along with it. You know, you've got to go out and find stuff to work on. It's not just all coming in. It's not established. Um, I was very fortunate that early on I had a lot of great, you know, I had a great network and I got a ton of referrals. Um, but, you know, sometimes you get those dips. Um, you know, right now there's one, you know, we're, we're going through this whole thing with COVID-19 and it has completely decimated the, uh, the live music business. And, you know, that's, and it has ripple effects. It, it cuts all the way through. I mean, touring is one of the, the best marketing tools that we have, even as a record company. So, you know, when that goes away, everything else, everything else sort of comes down and that uh, not having that, that net below you can, can be very exhausting yeah. at times. Yeah. And I think that that's the main thing, but you know what the trade of the trade of being able to take time with my family and being able to take vacations when I want to take them, even though I have to work from them because I don't have a staff, I'm, I'm a one man show pretty much. Um, and you know, it's, uh, that, that's the hard part. Also knowing that I don't have to live with regret. I mean, there are lots of times where I, where I say to myself, why did I leave that job? It was perfect. And you know what, in hindsight, uh, financially, I'm not as well off. I'm not as, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing as well as I was before. I'm doing okay. Um, but definitely from a financial standpoint, it was not a great decision, but I, a, I don't have to live with the regret of wondering what would have happened, which is huge. And I do get this time with my kids that you don't get back. Yeah. And I think that's priceless. I mean, I'm in the same Mm -hmm. boat, you know, I'll be honest, like starting a company, I think people sometimes think, wow, she must be doing really, really well, you know? And I'm like, well, it all goes back into the company. Yeah, Um, totally. (laughs) We got to keep the engine going and maybe, you know, maybe if we're lucky someday, but I think what we've been able to do is create a lifestyle for ourselves that allows us to live more fully. And I I don't think you could ever put a price tag Absolutely. And I think so many people live with regret in their lives. Like, why didn't I try that? Why didn't I do that? It's now too late. You know, so I think I I did it at a time where I could still do it, you know, and and I say, you know, financially, it's been tough, but you're always building, you're always sowing seeds and you never know 
where the next opportunity is going to come from. And right now, you know, because of what we're going through, I'm having to pivot um, into, you know, I still, still have work with the label, which is all great, but that's not a hundred percent of my life. You know, I have other projects that I do um, to, to fill up the, uh, to fill up the rest of my slate. And I'm working on something now that I'm, I'm really excited about. You know, it's one of those things where, wow, I could actually do this from home. I would never have to travel. It's something I could do. I, it could keep going well into, an, in, into retirement and I could actually build courses around this. And, you know, it didn't occur to me to even do it until the pandemic because what happened was, it, uh, not re- I mean, it's not, it's not fleshed out enough yet, yeah. but basically it's, it's helping artists uh, sell and just maintain better relationships with their customers. It's, it's yeah. really about the D to C business in the music industry. And I saw, cause there were a couple acts who I've worked with, who we've been really carefully and meticulously building their audiences and, and, and really nurturing that, that direct consumer relationship. And it paid off, Yeah, you know, and as soon as it hit, I have, I work with, there's one artist I work with who uh, was about to go on tour, had ordered all of his merchandise for the tour. The, it was the, the, the next day, you know, it was like tour canceled. He's sitting there with all this merch that has dates on the back, you know, the whole tour. It's not stuff you can reuse, but he had this, he had this way to reach his audience, which we developed and he sold out of all the merchandise in two days Mm. online. Wow. So yeah. And I just, it it clicked. I went, wow, that's really powerful. So powerful. And there are a lot of acts who are just not set up to do it. You know, they're sitting there like, what do we do? And they're, they're not in a position really to act. I mean, we've got to think about evergreen revenue streams, right? Mm-hmm. Passive revenue that no matter what the situation is, you can create an environment that people will still be able to, and I think connect with you. You know, I think people, you know, I can only imagine the live music industry. I mean, we were supposed to go to a show and it got canceled, you know, um, right as everything was heating up. And I I was telling my husband, I'm like, you know, I don't know when we'll see that refund because I can only imagine they are inundated. Yeah. Oh, there's no cancellations. Everything's just postponed. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say can. No one says canceled. Nobody says canceled. (laughs) That's a bad word. We don't say canceled. We post, we say postponed. (laughs) Ah, I see. Hang on to your ticket. You'll be okay. Hang on to the ticket. Have you ever wondered, is rinsing my produce with the water that comes out of the sink that I don't even drink enough to really clean it? Well, then you're one of the smartest people I know because you're absolutely right. It's not enough. That's why we created the only all-natural and patented line of food wash and wipes, and it's called Eat Cleaner. It's tasteless, odorless, and lab-tested, and it removes up to 99.9% of the residue that water can't, including pesticides, wax, soil, and junk that can carry bacteria that can really make you sick. Plus, we formulated it to help extend the shelf life of your fresh produce too, and that'll save you money. When your berries are lasting up to 10, 12 days, 
you know that's a good thing. It helps your produce last up to five times longer using a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. So there's no chemicals, it's just clean eating fun. And this can help save your family an average of over $500 per year. Make it easy on yourself, reduce waste, and get that fruit and veggies into your body where it's gonna do you a lot of good and not in the trash. Check us out, eatcleaner.com or head to our Amazon store at amazon.com forward slash eatcleaner. You know, we're seeing live shows streaming, you know, artists streaming mm-hmm. from their, yep. their living rooms and people getting involved in the cause. How yes. do you see the music industry? I see the music industry bringing a lot of relief to people despite the hit that they're taking. For sure. Yeah. There's, I think there's a lot of people find comfort in music. Absolutely. Which is one of the things I love about what I do is that you, you're, you're part of that, you know, you're part of delivering that to people. Yeah. And I think, um, I think for everybody listening, support your artists, you know, pay for music yeah. make sure that you <laughs> follow them and, and they're human beings too. Like let them know if you're a fan, let them know you're there because that is what they live by. Right. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. They make music, but they make it for their listeners. Yeah. And it's a little tougher because, you know, the industry is really, you know, the live music industry is really driven by alcohol sales, right? That's, mm-hmm. that, that is the driver, right? So if you're, if you're playing clubs, the club brings you in, they take a very, you know, the, the margin that the club makes on the actual ticket sales is nothing compared to what they make at the bar. So right now, <laughs> there's no, there's no bar. There's no bar. There's no bar. And, you know, even with the bigger shows, you know, the money at arena shows is all in concessions and parking. So it's, you know, it's interesting to watch that where, you know, um, you know, so yeah, definitely. If you, if you see an artist up there, just throw them a buck, you know, anything. Yeah, it's, yeah anything. Every little bit helps. So, so you made this this pivot in your career a few years ago and then something pretty major happened to you it did um i got pretty sick (laughs) and uh uh i was it was three years ago it was uh january 2017 i had come down with something that was i was like wow i feel really sick i hadn't gotten the flu shot i get the flu shot every year Hmm. Right. I have asthma. So uh, my doctor says get the flu shot every year. And, and for, for whatever reason, that season, I just had not gotten around to getting a flu shot. And so uh, my wife started feeling ill um, around the third week of January and a couple and she went to the she went to the urgent care and they didn't really test. Her. They said, oh, yeah, you probably have the flu. They, I think they put her on Tamiflu. And a couple days later, I started not feeling well and I went down and they tested me for strep, which our son actually had strep throat at the time. So, you know, they tested my wife for strep. She was negative. They they just assumed she had the flu. They tested me for strep. It came back negative. They assumed I had the flu. So I went on Tamiflu. Long story short, that was a Monday. Uh, Wednesday night, I remember posting on Facebook saying this is the worst flu ever. Definitely go get your flu shot while you can. Uh, 8 a.m. the next morning, I was down on all fours, couldn't breathe. Wow. And uh, my wife happened to call a friend of hers who she hadn't talked, spoken to in a while, who was an ICU nurse, friend of hers, who, uh, you know, she was the only person she felt she could turn to. That friend happened to be five minutes away. She came over. She told my wife, said, call 911 right now. 
And so what had happened, long story short, I had gotten a strep infection that had gone crazy. It uh, got into my lungs. It was a strep infection that got into my lungs that mutated, um, quickly took over my lung, uh, went into my bloodstream, and uh, I had heart failure, kidney failure. Uh, had I not, had my wife not gotten me to the hospital that day, I would have died that night. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So I ended up being, I ended up, I was in the, uh, the ER, they couldn't get my blood pressure up no matter what they did. Uh, I was finally, I was admitted into the hospital. I was intubated and I was put into an, uh, put into an induced coma. Um, and yeah, I was in a coma for two and a half weeks, came out of it. Uh, this was a bizarre experience. Uh, I was in the hospital all told, I was in the hospital for 35 days and the last eight or nine days was in rehab because when you're in bed that long, you you're, you're, you get muscle atrophy. So I couldn't walk. I couldn't feed myself. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't grip a pencil. There were, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty gnarly. Um, like how, how did it accelerate that fast? I mean, I know you. I know you're a healthy guy. Yeah, no. Aside it, from having asthma, like you're you're a picture of health. Like, how did it accelerate like that? They don't really know. It just it mutated, and what they think happened was that I did have some kind of virus as well. So I had a virus going. I had this bacterial infection that um, they, there's, there's usually, I can't remember what they said, but there's, there's two types of bacteria. It's usually one or the other. This one was both. Mm. And it was just, you know, it was just a, a freak situation. And I was, on, I was on a ventilator for a couple weeks, so I know what that was like. Um, I was intubated, and then when I was up, uh, and awake after the two and a half weeks, they, uh, you know, uh, cut my throat and, uh, did it, did a tracheostomy and had a, had a tube going, a breathing tube going into my throat, um, which took several weeks to close up. That was fun. Um, yeah, it was, it was wild, but you know, and, and when they, when we went back and we went, we went back about a month later to go visit all the doctors, you know, I was at two different hospitals and we went by to just bring gift baskets to say thank you. And I remember, I didn't really know the full gravity of what had happened. My, my wife didn't really fill me in on everything. She went through worse than I did because she was the one who had to deal with watching her husband not wake up for two weeks. Mm. And, you know, that was the hard part for me. I just slept through it. But then some of the realities started creeping in when, uh, you know, we went to the first uh, first ICU unit where I was and doctor looked at me and said, you know what, honestly, I gave you a 10% chance of living. Yeah. And had you, and by the time you looked like you were going to pull through it, we, we figured you were going to be in the hospital for three months and then it would be a full year recovery. Well, I was in the hospital for 35 days. I was back working from home four days later. And uh, two weeks later, I was back coaching my son's little league team. So it was just, yeah, it was, it was determination to get well, um, that, that really did it. But yeah, that was a, that was, that was, that was a tough one. I, I've always wanted to promise myself that I wouldn't make it, let that define my life, but it's been hard not to. I'm also on top of it. I'm also a cancer survivor. I had, I uh, went through, uh, cancer. I, I, uh, was diagnosed with cancer when I was, uh, one. 
21 years old in college. Um, so yeah, yeah. So it was uh, testicular cancer that had gone into my lymph nodes. And so I had three operations and 12 weeks of chemotherapy and I was good as new, but still, you know, um, a life altering experience. So I think when you combine all of that, the, the fact that I made the, the, the uh, career choices that I have, you know, really grateful for it. You know, I, I, because after, especially after my bout with sepsis, which what it, what, what it was when the whole body shuts down, mm-hmm. um, is sepsis. You, you, everything's basically poisoned in your heart. Your bloodstream. Yeah. Your heart and your kidneys stop. It's like this final, this, this final Hail Mary pass where your heart and your kidneys stop so that the bacteria can't reach your brain. That's what it's trying to do now. So one or the other, if the bacteria reaches your brain, you're going to die. Um, your heart and kidneys stop functioning. You're going to die, but it's, it's like the body's last resort. And so, uh, yeah, like I said, had I not gone to the ER that day, I would not have been alive that night. It's hard to know what to listen to these days. Like mm-hmm. we're kind of, you know, at the time of this recording, we have been in kind of stay in, stay at home orders for about three weeks or so now, almost uh, four. It's been a month. It's been a full month. It's been a month. And we're being told probably for almost another month, but some counties are starting to let up. I know in Ventura County, um, they're starting to reopen some places gradually going through what you've been through Mm -hmm. um, and, and watching what's happening now and seeing how quickly it accelerated through your body has to give you some thoughts and some insights on how we should be handling this. I mean, I know you're not a doctor, but what, what's gone through your mind throughout this whole process? When I was in the ICU, it was, I mean, there was, there was a lot of equipment that kept me alive. Right. I think I had something like 11 lines going into me. I had this bed that um, rotated. Right. It was it was it would move like back and forth to keep fluids from settling in my lungs. Mm. So a lot of what the you know, you're talking about the respiratory aspect of, of covid. You know, I had acute respiratory distress syndrome. That was that that was the part that infected my lungs that the the tr- the treatment protocol is insane mm. and i remember you know the i remember being moved out of the icu um i was still kind of not all there you know i was still heavily drugged i was on fentanyl and propofol and you know the the hallucinations that that came out of that that's a whole different story wow. but um so and then without my wife being there cuz she was calling all the shots at that point obviously or being consulted and without my wife being there, they'd moved me from, uh, they'd made the decision to move me from the ICU to the PCU, the primary care unit, which is you go from one-on-one nursing to uh, th- three patients. You go from one patient for every nurse now to three patients for every nurse. And, you know, I'm always like, that's crazy. You can't move him now. Well, the reason they moved me is because they were full. The ICU was full. This was three years ago and they needed the bed for somebody else. Now you multiply that by how many cases could end up in the ICU. Mm. If this thing goes crazy, Mm. you know, most people aren't going to be as lucky as I was and they're not going to. So, so that's the thing that gets me. It's like who gets the care and who doesn't get the care. And that's why keeping this thing at bay 
so that the hospitals don't get overwhelmed so they can treat as many people as possible. That's, you know, that that's why we're doing this. Now I also see the other side. I mean, the economic impact is brutal. Mm. And I, so there's going to have to be a balance and it's sad, but there's going to have to be a balance between, um, you know, whatever, yes, I can't even say this, but you know, whatever casualties come out of this, um, you know, what's worse, keeping everything closed down or, uh, having more people get sick, uh, as a result. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's It's a decision that I'm glad I'm not having to make, but man, do I see, I I absolutely see both sides of it. Well, you see both sides intimately and, you know, being a small business owner and having gone through, uh, life death situation mm-hmm. are you does it freak you out i mean i'm assuming you're considered one of the immune compromised does i am considered one of the immune compromised it freaks well uh, i mean yes and no still when you still think you're invincible right you still don't think, you know i'm still in good shape yeah. um i take care of myself uh, my wife does not let me out of the house i tried to sneak out to home depot to, to buy a <laughs> gas canister for our fire pit but that was kiboshed uh, so i don't know you know you still have to live your life i mean you know here's the other thing after i went through that whole ordeal i became a fervent hand washer like I wash my hands constantly all yeah. I don't open doors with my hands, right? I turn doorknob handles, I'll grab my shirt or I'll grab like if I'm in a public restroom, I'll grab a paper towel on the way out. I don't touch door handles. Yeah. I, that's been three years I haven't touched door handles. So yeah. you know, in actuality, I haven't, you know, she's knock on wood. I've not gotten sick since then. Mm. You know, maybe you kind of learn those practices just from having gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I've had. I think I've had. I think. I think I had one. I think I've had one mild cold since that ordeal because I am so cognizant of what I touch and how. And I, I don't stand very close to people. And I, you know, if someone sneezes, I turn quickly. Like you know, I've really. I'm very. I've been very aware of that. I've already been hyper aware. They're talking about the washing the hands. I really said something about you know you should wash your hands. Like I don't know. They said like eight eight times a day. I was like eight times a day. I wash my hands that often before noon. I was gonna you say know. well, it's like a hard fast number. It just depends yeah. on what you're doing. Yeah, right. We're we're learning all these. Th- you know. And by the way, it's not like this is the first pandemic we've lived through in the last decade. I mean, we've seen several. Um, maybe not of this magnitude, but every time I remember H1N1, um, you know, SARS, all of those where mm-hmm. you know hand sanitizers were flying off the shelf and people were going through. I mean, it seems like we have short-term memory loss, though. Like, but why do we forget? I mean, I don't think you'll ever forget having. No, no, I never, I never will. But also, it never those SARS and Ebola and you know H one N one. Yeah, that's the flu. You know, it's not as it. It just didn't get as bad. You know, it's well, obviously, it didn't get as bad because it's not. Those were not as contagious as this is. This is really contagious mm-hmm. um, and not to get out of my wheelhouse because I don't know enough about it, but there's a lot of talk about herd immunity. It's not happening with this for a mm-hmm. while. Well, you know, they're already oh, talking about how it's mutating and 
I think, you know, ultimately having been through what you've been through and being a cancer survivor on top of that, I'm sure you're acutely aware of what the risks are. Besides washing your hands, are there any practices that you and your wife take to help bolster your immunity, whether it's food or supplements or anything like that? Yeah, I just take general supplements, take a multivitamin and some extra vitamin C and uh, uh, this wellness formula that it's, um, I don't know, it's just something we get at Fraser Farms um, that's got echinacea and zinc and things like that. Take one of those a day. Um, yeah, nothing nothing crazy. Fish oil, vitamin food? D. How do you eat? Food? Yeah. How do we eat? We eat fairly healthy. In fact, um, you know, I guess there's the... There's the uh, <laughs> The pro and con of this whole thing is that we, we haven't eaten out at all. We've done zero takeout, mm-hmm. which I feel bad, but you know, we, we've just made a decision that since I'm maybe more at risk yeah. than other people, we've done nothing but home cooked meals. Uh, my wife made chilaquiles this morning for nice. breakfast, which nice. are awesome. Nice. Um, we've been ordering fresh vegetables, uh, farmer's market, just delivered in a box at the front door. Um, so food wise, my, my, my wife's a great cook. So she's, uh, she's been dazzling us <laughs> nightly with, uh, with great meals. So yeah, I try to eat a lot of whole foods. I try to stay away from anything fried. I try to stay away from sugars. Um, I consume very little alcohol, um, you know, try to, try to stay healthy as much as you can. Yeah. What do you think? Just in the general grand scheme of things for you personally, what do you think we can come away with or you can come away with from all of this that will help you and maybe everybody listening become stronger? Because a lot of people are hurting right now. Um, They maybe have loved ones or they themselves have been affected by the virus. Maybe they have a business or they've been laid off. Um, Maybe they're facing, you know, um, a, a really uncertain future because financially they just have no security. And what what has this taught you? I mean, you've been through maybe something that, you know, I don't know what percentage of the population has ever been in a coma, but yeah. you were on in such a precarious health situation. I'm sure every stage has taught you something, but this this is like, this is a different unprecedented time. Yeah, I, I think it just comes back to nothing is ever certain. Your life can change on a dime. Um, that That's really it. And to just understand that and prioritize, you know, I think one of the knowing, like what I, what I went through three years ago, um, knowing that I had already you know, look, I'd already spent a lot of quality time with my kids. That was six years into, uh, that was six years into me being independent. And it was six years of more time I got to spend with my family. And it didn't take that to change it. So you don't necessarily, it shouldn't require a big life altering event like this to change your priorities. Maybe it will for a lot of people. This was so different that I don't know how, I mean, I think everybody's going to be affected, but more in a 9-11 kind of way. Yeah. Like when did, when, when did we come back from 9-11? You know, what was the day? You, you can't name it. We, yeah. it, was such, it was such a gradual shift. 
And this one, you know, this is, this is 9-11 times the financial crisis of 2008, not even plus times. Mm. So, you know, I don't know how people come back. I think you just have to know that change is certain, that something is going to radically change. You can't live in fear of it at all. You know, you have to live your life. um, So you can't be afraid of the change. But I think you just have to live your life as if you're not going to, it's just like, you know, we, we, you, you go out, you assume everybody has, everybody's infected with the virus. Everyone you see, like, that's how you should act. Mm. You should act like, oh, you just assume everyone has the virus. So stay away, wash your hands, watch what you do. I think, you know, understand that there is no guarantee of how long you're going to be here and make decisions based on that mm. as, as it, as it relates to, you know, being with the people you care about yeah. and making time for them and don't lose that. Yeah. I think you should write a memoir. <laughs> I love writing. <laughs> I think you, I think you should write because I think um, your unique situation of what you've overcome is so inspiring and I Thank hope you. you continue to share your story um, as we come to the the end of our time together, I have one important question that I ask all my guests. Mm-hmm. Is if you could have just one more meal, that perfect meal <laughs> that created, created by anybody on the planet, alive or not alive, who would it, who would make it, and what would it be? Oh my gosh. I know. That, that is such a heavy question. I think I have to go back to my favorite meal I ever had, which was something called, which my mom made, which was called more casserole, which was just, um, you know, I don't know. It was nothing special. It's just noodles and ground beef and cheese and stewed tomatoes. And it was my favorite thing. And the reason it was named more casserole when we were kids is because we would just ask for more. So (laughs) she didn't have a name for it. It was just kind of what she did. She just made it and we called it more casserole. And to this day, my wife makes it whenever there's a, whenever there's any kind of meal train going on for maybe someone who had a baby or someone who's going through a hardship. um, We always deliver the more casserole. I love it. Give me me more. Maybe, maybe uh, you guys can share the recipe with us. It's not. Yeah, that'd be great. We will. Um, It's, you know, it's, it's not gourmet, but um, man, com- there's there's something about just simple comfort food. Oh yeah, doesn't have to be gourmet <laughs> to be good. That's for that's sure. Right. For sure. Bill, thank you so much for your time and for hey. sharing your story. I think it's inspired a lot of people. Where's the best place for people to follow you? Wow, uh, what are my what are my uh, handles? I think at NC Schroeder on Instagram. Also, uh, I am starting a new podcast with a good friend of mine, which is going to be up and running fairly soon. We've, uh, we've recorded our first episode and then banked several others. Um, and that's called the thinking dads podcast. So hopefully by the time this comes out, there'll be something uh, on Instagram at the thinking dads, the thinking dads. Love it. Yes. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Niels, thank you. Thank you, Maria. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch. So it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. 
And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag RFYBL for recipes for your best life, I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.